With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And we've got a big show for you today, of course. The recent news uh, was the commitment of Mike Jarvis. He's actually joined us at the show. We've got an interview with him, so we'll go through that commitment. Some other news in the sporting world and things like that. And then some returning profile players uh, like we've been doing. And then, of course, the interview to cap off the episode. Uh, but to start, before we get into our news of the day, the last few days have, of course, been a tough one in, in America, but I, a lot of statements have been put out, a lot of words have been said, and, of course, Paul, Chris, and Greg Gard and the rest of the UW coaches have put out their statements, which I think were uh, both very well written and well done. But, Matt, before we get into the news and, you know, the, the more lighthearted stuff, what did you make of, of those those statements? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... It, it, it's great that they put them out there. I think uh, now the big thing is just with follow-through with everyone. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing movements on social media, um, and, and I know you and I have each uh, tweeted out different um, places where you, people can donate and causes that people can support. Um, but, but I really think just this time, you know, the recent and kind of historical events and social structures that led to the killing of, of George Floyd have really just created another opportunity for, for people, especially like you and I, you know, as, as two white guys, to recognize and, and kind of value the friends and our coworkers, our neighbors and uh, community members, uh, you know, and lastly kind of to bring it back to this podcast, um, you know, the athletes that we root for who are black, um, you know, it's just an opportunity for us all to take a stand against the uh, violence and injustice that have, uh, you know, really kind of gone across our country and permeated to a deep level. Yeah, most definitely. I think that was a great statement, uh, and and you hit the nail on the head. You know, we we we, we cherish these people in our lives um, so much. Uh, it shouldn't matter the the color of their skin. Of course, the athletes that we cheer for on Saturday afternoons, or um, in the basketball world, or any Wisconsin athletic, than any athlete uh, across the country for that matter. Uh, we need to t- take our time and and stand with them and be an ally for them. And like you mentioned. Um, there's plenty of ways you can do that via, you know, donations. Both Matt and I like, and I believe on the Bucky Swift Quarter Twitter as well. We've we've tweeted out some links you know, to both help both on the local level uh, in terms of contributions to help re- rebuild um, the State Street area and clean that up. And of course, there's all sorts of outlets uh, for the Black Lives Matter, all things like that. And, and statement-wise, I, I really liked. I don't know if you saw Brian Mason's statement. Uh, he's part of the football communications department uh, w- with Wisconsin, and I-, I think his statement was was great. 
where essentially he, he just tied it back to uh, Black Lives Matter. And I think that was really there, – there's so many statements and so many things you could say, but at the end of the day, that is that is the truth, and that's what we, we need to get behind. So coming from ourselves that have, have definitely – Growing up with different lives in that regard, we need to stand by and, and definitely be an ally uh, to that community that we, we find so important and so valuable in our lives. And I think, thankfully, this time around, I, I think the world is, is really stepping up to hopefully make some changes that should have been made a long time ago. You know, you and I shouldn't have to have this conversation uh, because the world should have, you know, changed and done that a uh, long time ago, but unfortunately it hasn't. But now it's our time to definitely seize the opportunity and, and make amends and make the, the world just and a peaceful place for everybody. Yeah, and we're, um, you know, we I, I felt it would be kind of tone deaf if we didn't at least uh, speak on, on that to begin this episode. Um, I know a, a lot of our listenership really come to uh, listen to us, um, you know, as, as two people that I, I'm, I don't mean to speak for you, but I, I'm not the smartest person in the world. <laughs> I'm not claiming to be, but at the same time, uh, I think it's just the humane um, and right thing to do to, to step up and, and, and stand up for what um, we believe in and to um, also give you the time now as listenership to, to instead pivot to things that can take you away from the um, exhaustive nature of everything in the news uh, across lots of different avenues. So um, with that, you want to hit our news of the day? Yeah, that was very well said. So we'll get right into our news segment. Here's what's happening. All right, guys, we've got plenty of news to talk about on today's show. Um, first being, uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show in the intro, the commitment from three-star defensive end Mike Jarvis out of Medford, New Jersey. Uh, very strong kid, big kid. He talked about that uh, in the interview, which will air at the end of the podcast. Very uh, well-spoken interview, so we're excited for you guys to hear that. But Another big commitment uh, for the Badgers, a defensive end similar to Daryl Peterson earlier in the week. Things are, are really heating up for the Badgers on the recruiting trail. Uh, but what did you make of, of Michael Jarvis's commitment to UW? Yeah, I think it's a big get. He's been, you know, one of the defensive linemen that the Badgers have had high on their board for a while. Uh, if any of you follow the Build the Badger uh, sequence that both Drew and I work on, he's a guy that we've kind of pinpointed towards Wisconsin for a while. We thought he made a really good fit. I mean, at 6'5", 250, he, he's a kid who could easily get up to, to 6'5", 275 uh, later on in his career or 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 more, and, you know, he, he's got a frame that really is perfect as a 3-4 defensive lineman for the Badgers at that D-end location. Um, just a, a space eater. He can he can still cause havoc, um, and, and but really he can hold the point of attack and really just kind of clog things up for, for the linebackers. We know that that's kind of the way that Wisconsin utilizes their defensive linemen. You know, you can think of Isaiah Loudermilk as, as just the prototypical example of that but I mean this is a kid who had offers from Duke, Florida State, Indiana, Nebraska, Rutgers, Syracuse, Vanderbilt, Virginia. I mean the list goes on. So he, he he's not uh somebody that was not wanted across the country. He he's a kid who probably his offers would have continued to um progress if he would have went longer through the process. But um you know it's it sounds like it he's the exactly the type of kid that the Badgers usually thrive with at that defensive line position and I think um, it sounds like he might be the only one potentially. Um, you know, I know we've talked a little bit about that on here that the Badgers might instead bring in a couple extra outside linebackers that might also um, fill out in a different way to to instead put their hand in the ground as well. So 
I, I think it's a great commitment for the Badgers, and, and um, it's, it's just another um, further entrenches the Badgers in that New Jer- Jersey area where they have done uh, fairly well recently and, and really ever since Barry Alvarez took over. Yeah, they seem to really pick their spots in that area, but they usually when they do pick it, it usually seems to hit, um, and the players are are go on to a really strong college careers. So I think Wisconsin, when they when they go after a player out there, they know that that's a kid that they want, and uh, I think Michael Jarvis will be a a solid prospect to add to that. Uh, you mentioned the defensive line; he's at uh, his two four seven says six five two fifty. Uh, so when he gets onto campus, I'm sure they'll be throwing weight on him left to right. And next thing you know, you've got a very solid defensive line prospect to uh, to get ready. Uh, and not only is he he's got a solid frame, um, he, he's a big kid, but he's also got hands where he can get after he, his senior uh, or junior highlight tape, I should say. He, he had a lot of sacks getting to the quarterback, but he's also making plays in the run game, which is what you want to see out of a defensive line that. He can do a little bit of both. You can have him on the field multiple downs. He isn't a guy that is just exclusively a pass rusher or just he isn't a guy who just is exclusively to clog things up in the middle. So as a, as a prospect, I think he's very well-rounded, uh, smart kid, you can you can tell, and he's going to be an exciting one for the Badgers to have and continue to fill out this 2021 class that is really seeming to, to fire on all cylinders right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Wisconsin's 2021 class and you look at just the defensive side of the ball, they're really bringing a lot of really physical players. You know, you look at Hunter Wohler, really, really talented, hard-nosed hitter coming down from the safety position. Brian Sanborn, if if you like what you see in Jack, you're going to see very similar results probably from Brian uh, as well as uh, as long as things progress the way they are. And you look at Daryl Peterson and, and Ao Adabogan, they're both very similar as well, where they they really can can use their athleticism and their and their quickness to to come downhill quickly. Jake Cheney similarly. So the Badgers are getting really physical. I think Mark Jarvis is another guy that really brings a, a strong physicality to that defensive line position. I think it, it's definitely a picture of what you can tell Jim Leonard wants out of his defense is he wants um, guys who are going to be hit you in the mouth and, and really um, come up and not be afraid to hit um, against the run, but also athletes that can cover in space with a guy like Hunter Roller and you look at some of the cornerbacks they're going after. Um, I, I think the Badgers are in a good spot with what they're building here with this 2021 class. Yeah, most definitely. I'm, I'm just, you know, we, we talk about, of course, the 2021 class a lot more than any recruiting class right now because they're on the forefront in terms of commitments and things like that. But I'm really excited to see what, what comes from this class. I think everyone in there has got a good head on their shoulders, good players in terms of on the field. But it seems like a class that is very tight-knit and going to be exciting to watch as we go forward with the Badgers. Uh, pivoting a little bit here for our next story, and I don't—I didn't know if you had seen this. I was kind of you know, looking around for news stories, and I found this one so interesting. Um, and it actually has to do with Arizona State punter Michael Turk, and it's not really necessarily the position or the player, um, but it was kind of a monumental move for the NCAA uh, in a way that uh, essentially what happened was Michael Turk declared for the NFL draft, hired a agent, went through the combine process, did not get drafted, but due to coronavirus and some um, outstanding circumstances, he, he was granted his eligibility back, actually, for the next two seasons. So not really Badger-related, but kind of a new, noteworthy story by the NCA because you would never expect to see something like that. You know, if you hire an agent, it essentially means you're on to the next level. So what did you kind of make of that, or did you get a chance to see that story at all? 
Yeah, I did see that, and it's, it's just fascinating. So um, I think it's definitely something to um, to to kind of monitor because if if he's able to get it, I would assume that others will be able to try to use that as well to try to get back some eligibility if they haven't already signed with the team. I mean, it was it was very um, interesting to see him kind of try that earlier to go to the NFL, declare early as a punter. Um, you know, he he. Started off as an, at an FCS school his his first year, and then he transferred to ASU. So um, he's got two years left. So it was it was just a fascinating uh, twist of events. I, I, but I think really the unintended consequences moving forward are really what to watch because while he his story is is definitely odd and the way that everything transpired, I think the ways in which it could um, you know push changes within the NCAA and guys leaving early um could 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 be huge and loom large you know you look at um 2019 it was it was like 35 percent of players um that left early didn't didn't get drafted you know and and, uh that that's staggering so i I think there probably should be something um in place for players to be able to come back but it's also um interesting because you know there's a lot of people who you know can start to use that system to try to change it so i'm I'm more interested, in, not necessarily on the story, but how it propels things forward because we've seen uh, the NCAA moving towards being more player-friendly and pro-player in a lot of different areas. Is I'm wondering if this is an indication of that and if there is more to come or if this was just kind of a, a one-hit wonder, basically, um, for, for lack of a better word. Yeah, that's I think the the big word for there is is now that there's there's precedence involved where this has never really happened before. You go through that process for the NFL draft, you're essentially going on the next level or um or you're off to the next path in your career. So it's a little odd to do that, but I think the precedent is now kind of set where this could cause some shifts in the NCAA to, and I think that'll be interesting to play out. I know, you know, Michael Turk is a punter, so in terms of storylines, I know maybe it's not getting as much traction as if it were be if our quarterback went and didn't get drafted and came back. But uh, it's definitely interesting uh, to see how this all will play out going forward uh, with such a unique situation. Uh, and I know coronavirus, of course, had something to do with it. And it was kind of a flyer chance, but he was granted that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, as the NCAA goes forward. Um, another another piece of news that's not necessarily just um, predicated on the Badgers is um, Bud Elliott, who who works for um, 247, has, has kind of come out and, and talked about that just he's been taking data on how many commits there are across the country in 2021. And right now there's over 950 commits across the country, which is you, at this point usually there's um, uh, two or three times less than that, which is um, – pretty crazy when you think about um, how the pandemic and has really shifted things um, with virtual recruitment. So um, what are, what are you, like, what are your, what is your take on this? Do you expect some craziness to happen um, in, in terms of um, recruiting this, this fall? And, and maybe what are some changes that might have to be made uh, this year to kind of account for the pandemic? Yeah, it's certainly going to be crazy. I think it's a good word because it's different and it's something, you know, I think over coronavirus, the number one buzzword was unprecedented, and that's that's certainly kind of the same situation here. Uh, you know, I think kids are seeing the the writing on the wall. And, you know, maybe maybe they could wait it out and continue to, to field offers, and if you haven't found a, a perfect fit for you, of course, most kids would. 
But some kids might be saying, you know what, uh, I've seen schools. This is one that I, I really feel comfortable with. I don't know how this is going to work going forward in terms of recruiting, things like that. Maybe I just want to get my commitment out of the way. But at, at some point, maybe, you know, if you if you look at the numbers, two to three times more uh, than, than normal at this time of the year means that there is definitely a correlation between what is happening in the world and, and how and how commitments are being made. You know, I, I noticed kind of – I didn't notice the numbers, but I did notice the team that a lot more kids were, were making their commitments, making their decisions, and then just you know being done and able to relax. And I'm sure in, in a time where it's hard to relax with everything that's going on in the world, to have that off your plate and off your back uh, is interesting. So how it's going to change going forward, I'm not sure, but it's, it's definitely an interesting figure that uh, has a strong correlation with what's going on in the world. Yeah, I, I just think it's just crazy because um, we're looking at and seeing just kind of a shift in the way in which um, kids are making their commit their commitments, and um, you know I, I think we're going to see some some turmoil with uh, players decommitting across the nation when they're able to actually go and, and see places. Um, but at the same time, it's it's one of those things where there's only so many. Um, spots across the country that players can commit to. So there's a lot of kind of fear right now in a lot of different avenues, but one of them is kind of playing out in, hey, I want to make sure that I still have my spot at XYZ school. You know, you look at the Badgers right now, this year they have probably around 20, somewhere between 18 and 21 spots, could be higher with attrition, but you know, they're right now at 13 commits and there's another one silently waiting. So there's, there's got, there's only so much room for the class to grow. And so players are kind of having to make tough decisions based off of their best interests and in their best estimation of what they know at this point. So it, it's going to be fascinating to watch it all unfold, but I think the Badgers are in a good place because they oftentimes only take commitments when you have visited, you know, Mike Jarvis is the exception in this case. Um, but, but they, they really try to not pressure players into commitments, but rather make them say, hey, this, if this is what you want, let's make sure that this is what you want and, and finish it up now instead of um, taking visits later on. So I'm, I'm just – it's going to be interesting to see how that looks across the country when you see teams like Tennessee really loading up and having 25 commits already when really you can only get up to 30. So it's right. there's a lot going on um, in our country, and, and that's obviously something that takes the backseat to a lot more pressing things, but it's something to, to keep an eye on moving forward as we kind of start um, moving out of possi- the possibility of the coronavirus um, cloud hanging over. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you look at some of these schools, you mentioned Tennessee, Nebraska is another one where it seems like, you know, everybody, uh, the mom, dad, and the, and the son and the little brother all get offers from schools like that. So <laughs> you, you, if you're a guy that's, you know, on the fence about a certain school and you're wanting, you know, you want to take advantage of that spot that you, that you were offered, you know, maybe commitments are, are starting to come a little faster because of that as well. So thankfully for Wisconsin, they, they do their homework. They go after the guys that they want. I think we've seen that with a really strong 2021 class already, but definitely something to watch for. All right, I was gonna. We're gonna pivot a little bit here. We actually got a question in terms of uh, basketball uh, for Tim Smith, and he was asking via the Instagram, which Matt found. Uh, was wondering if you guys knew what was up with Owen Hamilton on the basketball team. I remember him transferring in from Northern Illinois, and he had to sit out a year, but last year he suited up for a game. Is he injured or what? And I kind of completely forgot about that name, to be honest with you, until. You put it in our uh, Google Doc before the show, but what do you make of that situation? Yeah, I mean, so 
first of all, you know, he was a redshirt sophomore last year. He'll be going into his redshirt junior next year. Uh, season next year, you you look at kind of how the Badgers have been allocating their scholarships, and they they brought in a couple bigs uh, this past year. So I, I think right now, based off of it, I know he was a scholarship player at Northern Illinois, um, but at the same time, I think he made that move. Um, looking at it beyond just uh, just the basketball court, you know, he only averaged like one point a game at North or at uh, Northern Illinois, um, and and so I, I think. For what I'm guessing is he's he's a practice body for the most part. You know I'm not you know going and knocking the kid or, or saying that he's not a tremendous player. He he I mean he would dribble circles around me in my limited um, varsity experience. But he's but at the same time I think you know seven footers you generally want them on your team for practice reps. Wisconsin usually does a good job with using that for a lot of their walk-ons. So I I think unless something chaotic happens around. Um, or like a rash of injuries in the next two years. I doubt we see a lot of him on the court. Um, I think Joe Hedstrom's ahead in front of him, um, and, I, and I honestly think that the two incoming freshmen, um, Stephen Crowell and uh, Ben Carlson, are both going to be guys that will probably leapfrog him as well when they get onto the roster. So I, I think there's only so many minutes that you can go around, and I, I just think he's um, kind of a victim in that situation where he, he's going to be getting moving towards a, getting a great degree at Wisconsin and, and being a tremendous um, asset to the team at, on the practice court, but I doubt he sees a lot of meaningful minutes um, with the Badgers. That was very well put, and yeah, it's definitely a situation um, that some each each player and each kid kind of contributes in their own way. And you, as a as a program, you need players like that. So interesting, uh, you know, development, and of course, a, a great question on the Instagram. And guys, again, I know we've done this with our mailbags before, but if you ever have questions on anything, feel free to shoot us a DM or or like the Instagram comments or anything like that. We're happy to answer them on the show. You don't have to hold it back for just when you see a mailbag. We're always looking for, especially right now, sports aren't here. We don't always have much to talk about. We usually um, sometimes are scattering around to look for stuff. So if you have questions that you want answered, uh, feel free to shout it, up, shout it out at us, and we'll try to get to it on the show. All right, our next segment that we were going to get into, it's been a little bit since we've done them, but uh, on the Bucky's Fifth Quarter website uh, and on the Instagram account, we've been doing our returner player profiles. I know Matt and I have been writing up some of these, as is Drew and a few other guys from the site. Um, getting through each player that will be back for the 2020 class, and, and despite there, as well as on the Instagram and on the website, we're also hitting it on the podcast. And today we've got three very important players for the team next year. I know some of the conversations we've had uh, in the in the past ones have been about guys that maybe didn't see a lot of the field last year. These three saw a ton of the field. So let's get into it, and we're going to start with Wisconsin wide receiver Kendrick Pryor coming back for this next season. Um, been a not a role player. He's been on the field a lot, numbers wise. Uh, hasn't had huge numbers. You know, Quintus Cephas had a bulk of the receptions this past season. But what do you make of of Kendrick Pryor's returns for this season? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely going to have elevated opportunities. You, you look at his statistics; he's been very consistent in terms of his receiving output. Uh, you know, he had 100, 179 yards as a freshman. Uh, redshirt freshman. He had 173 as a sophomore and uh, 100 or uh, 278 as a junior. So you know anywhere in that kind of 270 to to or I mean 270 to 170 range has kind of been his honey hole. And he's also been helpful on the and the rushing attack and end arounds. He's really good in that. Um, he's he's the type of kid who the the 
ball needs to be in his hands more, I think, um, and get him into space. Wisconsin has tried to do that in the past. I think he'll be utilized in the slot a lot more with A.J. Taylor being gone. He, he's a guy that, uh, in talking to Fayon Hicks back in fall camp, Fayon said that he was the toughest player to, to guard. And now, granted, that was before um, Quintez came into the picture, uh, or I should say back into the picture. But, um, you know, Pryor brings um, some nice potential to really um, put some things on the field for the Badgers. I wouldn't be surprised if he's he, he kind of elevates those numbers from the 270 range um, up to closer to 500 um, so or 400, somewhere in there. I think he's, he's a guy who can do a lot with, with the ball in his hands. He's not afraid to, to um, make catches in traffic and, and go over the middle. I, I just think he's a, he's a kid who will definitely benefit from the absence of Cephas and, and Taylor and kind of take some of those. I think Danny Davis is still going to be probably the biggest beneficiary, um, and I think that Jake Ferguson will as well. But Pryor is going to probably be your number two wide receiver behind Davis and in, in one of the top three options in, in the passing tack that will probably have to shoulder a little bit bigger load this year than it has in the past. Yeah, most definitely. He's going to have to you know, haul in more receptions this year. There's going to be uh, receptions to go around no matter who's on the field. You know, when you look at the departure of Quintess Evis and A.J. Taylor, there's, there's plenty of, of reps that are going to go around, and you look at – uh, you're not going to have Jonathan Taylor this season, so maybe you're going to look at more wrinkles to get other guys involved, whether it be in the end-around game, which Kendrick Pryor has had success in, or in the passing game. I think the slot role, I know he was going to be really working on that in spring football, so maybe it'll uh, be a little tougher transition for him as he works into there, but uh, he's tremendously talented where I don't think it'll be much of a learning curve for him. And He's uh, an experienced player, knows the playbook, knows the, the routes and, and the route tree, things like that, so... I think Kendrick Pryor will, will really thrive in the role. Um, like you mentioned, I think Jake Ferguson and, and Danny Davis are both going to see spikes in terms of production and numbers. But I, I would expect the same from Kendrick Pryor because when he has been on the field and when he has gotten his opportunities, he's done a good job of it. So I think uh, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do uh, this fall given the more opportunities and given uh, you know just the production that he's had in the past. I'm excited to see what he brings back this next year. Uh, speaking of the passing game, our next returner profile that we've touched on is the quarterback, Jack Cohn, the guy that will be distributing the balls to the likes of Danny Davis, Jake Ferguson, and Kendrick Pryor. And, of course, last year, uh, 2,727 yards, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions, completion percentage of 69%, which is is, is great, uh, only five interceptions. So a good season for Jack Cohn last year, I know, there are some people that have opinions on the quarterback position. Today we actually put out our returning profile uh, on the website for Graham Mertz. So interesting enough that we're talking both quarterbacks today on the website and the podcast. But what do you make of Jack Cohn as he comes back for this next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's in a place where he's your your most likely starter. He's the incumbent. I think he's going to have a another nice step in, in his growth. You look at kind of how he matured from that soft, true sophomore year where he played in five games, um, you know, threw for 500 yards and, and had kind of five touchdowns, three interceptions. Compared to last season, you, you threw out the numbers. He, he, he really kind of elevated his game and played a lot better. I anticipate that that continues. Now, I do I expect him to all of a sudden become a world beater and, and be – the next um, Tua Tagovailoa, no. But do I expect that he make, takes a nice step um, in in his ability to um, increase his yards per attempt 
um, increase uh, maybe the number of touchdowns and maybe his yardage output? I think so. I, I would expect him to be closer to the 3,000 range um, in passing, you know, 2,700 this past year. I, I think that extra um, 300 yards isn't isn't out of the picture for him. Um, I, I would anticipate that maybe he gets into the low 20s with t- passing touchdowns as well. Um, just because you're not going to have the, the running back to lean on, they're going to have more of a committee approach. Now, I think Nakia Watson is going to be a really talented player. You know, I think uh, David Mormon really, really told um, the story about how to look out for him. But I, but I think Jack Cohn's going to have more on his shoulders this year. And I think there's going to be a willingness to let him throw and let him do that. And I think Jack's going to be more willing to push the ball down the field. Um, you know, he averaged eight yards in attempts last year. And then while that's, that's not terrible, it's, it's definitely not um, what he could be doing. So I think if they're willing to push the issue and force the ball downfield more often um, and use a guy like um, Jake Ferguson in the seam or, and those deep outs that they routinely run, um, being able to hit on deeper routes with a guy like Danny Davis or Kendrick Pryor trying to get over the top, I, I think it would go a long way in, in making sure that Jack Cohn gets a little bit more respect for what he does. I think him and Ian Book, um, who are going to be playing in, in that uh, Wisconsin-Notre Dame game, are both guys that uh, kind of get an unfair rep as game managers, even though they really have put in some some good numbers. You know, I think Ian Book obviously has better numbers um, in a lot of ways than Cohn, but I think Cohn will have more opportunities next year to, to show who he is and what he can do. Yeah, most definitely. I think that's certainly going to be the case. You know, you look at Jack's numbers, of course, you talked about his, his first season where he's kind of thrown in and pulled out the whole nine yards. It's a hard season to really pull much from those statistically, but he, he improved his completion percentage by 10% this past year. That's a significant jump, especially when you're saying you're jumping up to you know, essentially the 70% range. Um, the, the last few games, especially, he, he really clicked well. You know, even that Ohio State game, yes, they lost 232 yards in that game. Uh, Minnesota, 280 yards, 15 to 22 passing. So there were good games on the docket. I know, of course, the five interceptions, maybe the five weren't great throws. Everyone looks to that Illinois game, that Illinois interception. But aside from that, a lot of Jack's throws uh, were efficient and, and good. So I'm expecting another jump up, like you mentioned. We, we saw a significant jump from the, the previous season to this past year. I think we'll see another jump. Jack's a, a kid that has kind of had an unfair uh, stigma around him in terms of a game manager. I think he's more than that. So I'm interested to see how that improvement comes. And I, I think I, I know Graham Mertz is waiting in the wings, but I think Jack Cohn is, is like you mentioned, definitely the, the, the sitter right now. And I think he's going to have a, a solid season as he gets more opportunities because I think last year sometimes they almost had the reins on at some point, and when they took him off and allowed him to push the ball downfield and, and make plays uh, – it was it was good. So I'm excited to see how that kind of shakes out on the offensive side of the football with, with Jack Cohn finding uh, his receivers like Kendrick Pryor. And now we're going to flip to the defensive side of the ball. Um, this is another player that, that had a lot of impact uh, on the season, especially down the stretch, played a lot, and that's cornerback Caesar Williams. Uh, coming into this year, probably looking at one of the being one of the starters at the cornerback position. He had a really solid year. You, know, you think to that Minnesota game, he played really well. 28 solo tackles, nine passes defended, uh, one forced fumble, and one interception. So uh, a really strong returning player. But what do you make of Caesar Williams in that secondary? Yeah, I think I think Caesar Williams is is 
a guy that the Badgers can lean on next year. I think him and Fayon Hicks will probably be your two starting corners just based off of what we saw last year down the stretch, like you mentioned. Hicks was a, was pretty much a starter every game except for two, whereas you look at Cedar Williams, he, he didn't start off as one of the starters um, and, until really that uh, the first Ohio State game. Uh, he, he kind of started the next four um, and then um, and then continued that going for the, the last three as well. Um, so I think he's, he's a guy that kind of um, elevated his play as the year went on and really showed that what he could do. You know, that Minnesota game really jumps out and what he did in that uh, against, you know, using his length and physicality as a corner. He, he's, a, he's a kid who pairs nicely with Hicks because of his size and what he brings with his wingspan. So I think Caesar Williams is, is set to have a pretty good year. You saw flashes of him of improvement from him. Um, you know, he was more willing to come up and run support last year. He had a four and a half tackles for loss. Um, he also had that interception. Um, but, but really he led the team in pass defenses with nine. And, and you could see that he, he was using that length as to his advantage and understanding his body more um, and, and using that to help him be a better corner. So I think um, that's something that Jimmy Leonard's got to be really excited about to have a six foot corner. That's kind of figuring it out. I think the battle still is, is to be had between him and, and Deron Harrell because Harrell's another longer athletic corner that could, that got some starts earlier in the year. So I, there's so many different combinations that can play at that cornerback position, but I think Caesar Williams is definitely going to be a prominent figure in, in that room. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. He's a guy that, you know, you look at that cornerback room, a lot of depth there. You mentioned Harrell already. Some other guys, uh, you know, Wild Goose is probably going to be your guy that you work into some other packages. Hicks is going to be on that other side, but Williams really made that impact down the stretch, those those last six or so games. He wasn't uh, he was a rotation player early in the season. Really kind of came into the fold that Nebraska game, Purdue, of course the interception at Minnesota started playing really well, and then you know the, the passing defended. He was a uh, it was a guy that was out there on a lot of passing down. So I'm excited to see you know if we can put together that that season that he had the back half of last year into next year for an entire season. I think he's going to be a really exciting corner to watch for for the Badgers with a deep, strong secondary. You look at the positions across the board. You've got Hicks. You'll have Williams on one side. The safeties are strong and deep. So the secondary, if the guys come out and, and play like they did and when they've been playing their best, it's an, it's an exciting room, and I think Caesar Williams is going to be a big part of that, and I'm excited to see what Jim Leonard can do with another season uh, under his belt, you know, developing some of these guys. I think Cesar Williams is going to be a guy that makes a huge impact and, and really takes another jump up this next season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he, he's definitely a guy to, to, to watch and just to really understand that what he can bring to the table is, is definitely valuable for this team and, and something that uh, they are desperately need because the depth at cornerback position is so important given um, how spread out offenses are and how, how much there is uh, a pass-happy attack across the Big Ten, but really across the nation. Most definitely be exciting to see all three of those players as we work closer to college football season, hopefully starting with everything on time. Uh, I know some sports are, are starting to get back to the plan in terms of uh, the NBA, things like that. So definitely a, a light at the end of the tunnel in the sporting world, and we're really excited to see all three of these players out there this fall. I think that's everything we've got on the docket, guys. So now we're going to go ahead and kick it to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our interview with recent three-star commit, Mike Jarvis. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest, the Badgers' most recent commit in the class of 2021, defensive end Mike Jarvis out of Medford, New Jersey, uh, committed yesterday, so we thankfully were able to get him on the show for today. So, Mike, uh, first off, thank you for joining us, and congratulations on the commitment. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get right into, uh, you know, kind of, who you are as a player and, and what you think uh, of your game. So I, I first like to ask, what do you think, you know, as a defensive end, and uh, what do you think are some of the strengths of your game that you're going to be bringing to Madison? Just my physicality, my just how my body frame is, um, my ability to move, I feel like, um, just some overall power, and just really just be able to get off the ball, shoot gaps, and just plug up holes. Yeah, I mean, looking at your film, those are things that definitely jump out. Um, and, and kind of going on the flip side, what are some things that you're hoping to improve upon as you're kind of entering your senior year? Um, definitely my uh, my hands. Definitely just certain like certain pass certain pass rush moves. Just working on my hands a lot, staying low. I tend to tend to rise up a little bit, but um, obviously those are two big things that I really want to work on. And just overall, just Constantly just get offs, get, get that even better. Um, but there's always things to work on no matter where you are in your career. Yeah, most definitely, and that's a good attitude to have for sure. You want to you know, keep improving every day, and I'm sure uh, as you enter your senior season, it'll be easier to do that now that you've got kind of your commitment out of the way. But uh, let's talk about your recruitment a little bit. You know, judging on your timeline, it, it looked like things really picked up for you in April. With, you know, with offers from Nebraska, Florida State, uh, Indiana, and of course the Badgers. What was it like to try and manage all those offers and all the situations, given the coronavirus and things that are going on, where uh, it was really just kind of virtual communication that way? Um, it was interesting. I mean, ever after my season, I picked up like three offers. I think it was like Buffalo Duke Rutgers, and then it it kind of went a little like silent for about a week or so, and then just the flow. Then I just started picking up a couple offers a week from there, and then I mean, after I think late April, everything started to slow down, and then I picked up like Florida State about a week ago. But I mean, it was just the bat the batters really hit hard for me. Um, it was just a big, it was just a big offer, and it's always been a school that I've always looked at. Um, and then obviously just the recruiting process with them was amazing. Yeah, kind of diving more deeply into kind of how that re- recruiting process unfolded with Wisconsin. You obviously weren't able to visit in person, but you were able to do a, a virtual visit. Uh, what stood out um, to you during that virtual visit? Um, and maybe how did Wisconsin pitch Madison the program um, differently based off the circumstances? Um, it was just a lot of just videos of like the facilities, the academic halls, 
just like the overall campus, but they they pitched it phenomenal. Um, just showing like the game day feel, just like, the locker room, all the extra stuff that they have, like the luxurious things that um, Wisconsin offers brings it brings to the table. But I mean, they pitched everything great because I mean I obviously knew Madison was already a beautiful place. I mean, really, just everything else just really hit it home. I mean, I just can't wait to get out there, really, just to really see how amazing this place is. That's a great answer, and it is a great place. We're we're very much looking forward to to seeing you in Madison as you you work into your career. You know, speaking of going from where you're at now in in New Jersey to to Madison, New Jersey's been a place that Wisconsin has done really well in terms of recruiting. You you look at yourself, Jalen Berger, Jonathan Taylor's from that area, among some other stars for Wisconsin over the past couple decades, why do you feel that the Badgers have, have kind of success recruiting in the area that you grew up in? Um, I think they only they only go after, like, a select few, and they really do their research, and they really make sure that the kid that they want is really, like, a good athlete on and off the field and is a good, great hard worker. I mean, obviously with Corey Clement, Jonathan Taylor, um, those two are two big ones to hit home. I know they're more skill positions than linemen, but I mean, I think that doesn't really matter. But uh, just I think they really know how to recruit Jersey, and they're not just going after a whole bunch of kids. Yeah, the Badgers have routinely been selective in making sure that, you know, like you said, the fit both academically and uh, socially as well as on the football field. Um, Kind of going into that, you, you know, this class that you're part of now, the 2021 class, um, you, you've seen the uptick in recruiting recently for Wisconsin, and it's really shaping up nicely with the addition of yourself and, and Daryl Peterson also this week. Um, which guys in the class have you gotten to know, and, and maybe who are some of the guys you're actively recruiting to, to possibly join you? Uh, Daryl was the first one I talked to the day he committed, actually. Um, there's a, we have a group chat of all the commits so far, but I know we're trying to go after TJ, Nolan, um, RJ, uh, those those three are really trying to get right now. But I mean, all the commits I've been talking to, uh, Brian Sanborn, that's another good one. Him and I have been talking a lot. But I mean, basically everyone. We're just all trying to get starting to get in, to know each other. Obviously, I was the latest one, so they also they all been in the group chat and been kind of knowing each other for a little bit. But I mean, we're all just really trying to work together and just get some other recruits to commit and going from there. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it seems like, and you can correct us if we're wrong, but it seems like this 2021 class, similar to last year's class of 2020, was extremely close. And part of that is, you know, via technology and group chats. But it seems like the 2021 class is is pretty close-knit. And I knew you're one of the newest members, but how does it feel to be a part of a group like that? No, it's awesome. They're all... It's all great. They're all amazing. Um, we all have the same goal, um, but it's it's great. And from from what I re- recall, um, I believe that you're considering enrolling early at Wisconsin. Why do you feel as though that's something you maybe want to pursue? And, and how hard is it, you know, been preparing to make that a possibility? Um, I think for me, I just want to just get to college and get on the like the weight program and just get to get to know the system quicker kind of gives me a little bit of a head start um 
But I mean, obviously preparing, it's been really hard. I mean, we had there's a lot you have to do to meet all the requirements to graduate early because you have to meet your high school requirements and then the NCAA. And then obviously just to get into Wisconsin itself. But I mean, I, I think it's a it's always a good thing to think about. I mean, I want to definitely pursue it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like uh, a lot of times it can be a worthwhile uh, thing and can really kind of give you a, a good start on your college career early. Um, you know, being on campus is still a ways away for you, but do you have any ideas of what you hope to study in college? Um, I want to stay in the sports world. I mean, obviously I want to always be around football, like coaching at least, just at least doing something. But I know I probably want to go to school and study exercise science. Yeah, I like that answer. Uh, Mike, we'll, we'll leave you with one last question. You know, if there's something that you want Badger fans to know about yourself as you get ready to, to come to Madison, uh, what's something maybe you want to say or you want Badger fans to know about uh, the newest commitment to Wisconsin? I know you're, just, you're going to get a very hard worker. He's never going to accept average. He's always going to push himself. Um, I'm on the field. You'll know I'm on the field because I always make a presence. I'm not never take a playoff. Make everything, everything 110 percent. Like it's my last play, last rep in practice. Um, but yeah, just I'm not going to be a slacker, and I'm going to help help this team win. Mike, I think that's a great answer. I think Badger fans uh, will definitely love to to hear that answer, and are looking forward to uh, seeing you on the field uh, in the Saturdays to come over the next few years. Uh, Mike, once again, I want to say uh, congratulations on the commitment, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another week of the podcast. We'll be back with you next week. And as always, on Wisconsin.